Kitty Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Colleen Bray. Colleen has had the privilege of working for the Boone County Animal Shelter for over 10 years, serving the shelter in a number of capacities, including kennel technician, ACO, animal control sergeant, and now director. She considers herself very fortunate to have worked for and been mentored by one of the most progressive animal control professionals in the field. She currently serves on two boards, Kentucky Animal Care and Control Association and Kentucky's Animal Control Advisory Board, utilizing the tools that she has been given to best serve the people and animals that live in her communities has always been a passion of hers. Now she's excited to share not only her shelter success stories, but the cumulative success of the Northern Kentucky region. She resides in Burlington, Kentucky with two sons, a husband, and multiple animals of various types. Colleen, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thanks for having me, Stacy. I understand you've been in the business, and I put air quotes out there, for about uh, 10 or 11 years or so, but how did you develop a passion for cats and dogs? Well, didn't really grow up on a farm, but liked kind of farm life, having the ability to have a lot of animals around you in different types, and sort of got into the animal control field by working for some veterinarians. A lot of their employees had come over to Boone County Animal Shelter, and I just found myself here one day as an officer. That was in the mid to late 90s, and animal control was a lot different then. When I came back into the field, things had started to change. Movement had started to progress, especially with the idea of cats that, you know, there was a better way to do things than what we were doing. So what did you see in the 90s? And then what did you see and start to begin to learn 10 years later or so? Originally here in our shelter, and I'm sure a lot of shelters across the nation, we were really more of a holding spot for dogs and cats. Always a lot of kittens coming in the door constantly, puppies, overcrowding, not a whole lot of options for positive outcomes for those animals, regardless of their type. Cats were more or less, there was so little space. The way that we housed them, we didn't know a lot about mass housing for cats. Stress and up respiratory caused a lot of those cats to end up being euthanized very early and not really thinking outside of the box as to how to help them. When I came back 10 or so years later, there were a lot of still the same sentiments, but better housing, better care. It's still not a whole lot of options as far as those cats that would come in that were outdoor cats had been living outdoors, coming into a shelter environment, up respiratory, trying to house cats that were fractious, frightened, weren't really comfortable around people, and expanding on their disease and the population control was not working. It was obvious that we were not doing any good going out and trapping and ridding those heavily populated areas by just removing the cats from the area. It looks like you, at some point in time, the awareness around Trap New to Return, TNR, became apparent in your organization. Can you tell me a little bit about how that came about? How did the organization begin to embrace the process and agree to move forward with Trap New to Return? 
At the time, Becky Ryder was the director here at Boone County, and we started noticing that the staff, we had some long-term staff that had been here the full 20 years through this progression, and really those kittens during the heat of kitten season, our staff was starting to really take a hit emotionally, knowing that there was no other, we didn't know what other outcomes we could have for those kittens and those fractious cats coming into the shelter. So with the no-kill movement gaining momentum and researching some of the new, (laughs) which feels so weird to say, the new ideas of trap, neuter, and return, especially when we could identify a caretaker, was really an idea that you know, we could try this. We have enough of a rural community that we could try this in some locations where our caretakers are very friendly to us, to animal control, work very closely with us, and we'll just see what happens. So we could kind of dip our toe in it. We started in the fall of 2012, and I had a couple of barns that had an overabundance of cats, and we were able to kind of get in there through the fall of 2012 and into the winter and see what happened in the spring. Let's just see what happens with the sort of a managed population. And we went into a couple of places, did mass trapping. And in the spring, those caretakers were calling and saying, you know, this is fantastic. Our population really over the course of six months had stabilized itself. No new kittens were being born. They were able to recognize when new cats sort of showed up on the property. We could get in there and get them fixed right away. It was a healthier population. So we began to see really quickly that this may be able to work out in the community without putting ourselves out there as an animal control agency because we were doing this as ACOs in the field. And so you utilized a pilot program as a way to show your success and a way to sort of build trust within the community? Yes, it also gave us the opportunity to get comfortable having that conversation before we were putting it out there in the public that maybe wasn't too happy with the community cats We were able to practice that conversation and know for certain that what we were doing was going to decrease the population. They were going to see a decrease in kittens. They were going to see less disease, less upper respiratory, as well as when problems did arise with trapping, you know, it doesn't always go as planned. Our officers had had an opportunity to get out there and perfect their technique before they got out in the field. Tell me a bit about what happened from like 2012 forward to spread it out all around the country. And do you have any sense on your numbers and how things changed over the years? Absolutely. So in 2011, our cat live release rate was 26.5%. That was in 2011. 2013, it had jumped to 46%. The only thing that we had done differently between 2011 and 2013 was begin to implement the TNR program. We're talking cat specific, not overall numbers. In 2015, by 2015, we were TNRing every cat colony that we could find. It did take us a little bit of time to win the trust of some of our caretakers and kind of seek them out. There were still quite a few areas of the community that were concerned that, you know, here's this animal control officer showing up telling me that she's going to trap these cats and fix them and vaccinate them and then bring them back. They were still a little bit concerned that we were not going to bring them back. By 2015, we had been able to develop a very good relationship with the community in specific to our caretakers. So in 2015, our number jumped to 77% live release rate. 
Now, do you have any figures for like 2018? 2018, we had a 94% live release rate. Wow. Our intake dropped almost in half. So the animals that actually, the cats that actually came into the shelter went from 1,850 cats in 2011 to 1,135 cats in 2018. So just being able to know that we don't have to. We have an active foster program, too, for those kittens that do come in and those cats that come in that just need some adjustment period. But being able to look at our numbers and even though it, it doesn't seem like that long to us now, it's like, wow, you know, I sometimes have to tell the staff, you know, we'll have two litters come in and they're like, oh, my gosh, we've had two litters come in today. And I'm like, just pull the numbers up. <laughs> we were complaining that there had been 10 litters come in over the counter. You know, and what do you do with all these cats? So we've really been able to look at the numbers and show that it is working and it helps those conversations having with the public. Even when you have a community that is still struggling or struggling with one or two cats in the neighborhood, we can handle that pretty easy now. Hey everyone, Hooch and I are here today to talk about Dr. Elsie's cat litter. Dr. Elsie's cat litter is known to be the best litter on the market and Hooch agrees. Many of you know that Hooch was a foster cat of mine that I adopted while at the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. We did use the Touch of Outdoors litter as we transitioned him from being an indoor-outdoor kitty to an indoor-only kitty. I'm thrilled that Hooch found his home with me, but there were many times when folks would call me saying their kitty didn't use the litter box. I was also thrilled that Dr. Elsie's Cat Attract litter came out as it gave me a resource to share with others that was affordable and in most cases successful in keeping this kitty in their home. As a special benefit to Community Cats podcast listeners, Dr. Elsie's is offering a rebate up to $20 off your first bag of any Dr. Elsie's litter. Just visit drelsies.com forward slash Community Cats podcast to print your rebate or fill out the online form. Try Dr. Elsie's today and you won't regret it. Do you have any programs to help with spay neuter for owned cats? We don't as a as a county agency, but we do work closely with some other area nonprofit groups so we can get the information out there where they can go to find low-cost spay-neuter. We also are a pickup and drop-off site for two low-cost clinics within the tri-state area and uh, maintain very close communication with those organizations. We also try to have plenty of spots available with those organizations during the month, and we have in-house spay-neuter for our animals and our TNRs, our caretakers. We can give those spots to, say, cats that come in, they've been trapped, and we know that they have a care caretaker or they don't or an owner and they're having a population problem we can give them our spots to make sure that those cats get fixed so you're sort of talking about more like return to field rather than a real managed tnr project both we do both I mean, I definitely think these numbers are absolutely fabulous and fantastic. And congratulations to you and your team and the hard work that you've done in order to make this happen. It's really stupendous. I do have a feeling or a belief that in order to be successful, you need to have options for owned cats to get access to low cost or very low cost spay neuter resources, or else you will see some flare ups. Sure. One other question, though, you said your intake numbers have gone down by half. So are you able to adopt out everything that comes in into your facility? Or are you transferring out into other parts of the state? Or are you transferring in from other parts of the state that may not be doing this kind of a program? 
We have not had to do a whole lot of transfers out. We do have a couple of cat nonprofit cat organizations that'll call us if they are in need of something specific. Um, Specific like, hey, we're out of kittens, which oddly enough, we had happen last spring. And on that same line of thinking, if we have room available and there's an organization out there that we know is struggling, we will transfer in those animals. We try not to unless there's a a need, but there are a couple of other shelters in the area that if they get into a bind and they know that they're running out of space, they will call us and say, hey, you know, we've got X amount of surplus here. Can you help us out? We'll never turn down a shelter if we can help them. So what sort of advice would you give folks that are, might be considering a program like this for their community, you know, or an animal control officer or a team of people? What sort of advice would you give them if they are not currently participating in Trap, to Return? We still have shelters that don't, uh, they'll say, well, we don't take cats in. The shelter doesn't accept cats, so we don't have a cat problem. But we know for certain that they do still have a cat problem. (laughs) You are, somebody is getting those calls about the cats. For us, it was just a matter of really getting comfortable and having those conversations often and knowing that what you're, you're doing and trying to make the best decision for the cats and the community together that we are available. There is is a wealth of information out there now and support and just not doing it before and not knowing how to begin is not an issue. There are plenty of people out there that will help you and all you gotta do is pick up the phone and call and ask. Sounds great. And now it looks like you're on a couple of boards for the state. What's the situation like for community cats in Kentucky? We're working on it. There are a lot of organizations. We've had a lot of help from Best Friends has come in, kind of focusing efforts on the state of Kentucky as a whole, trying to get everybody in the same room. We have a conference every year through the Kentucky Animal Care and Control Association for targeted towards animal control and animal shelters, county-run municipalities, but also open to other organizations. And we do try to have some CNR discussions every year, some training for SNR. SNR is now kind of that next step, but making sure that people that have questions, organizations that have real questions and concerns have a sounding board and and where can you bounce those ideas off? What are the downfalls? What do you want to make sure that you're really addressing? There are still going to be neighbor issues and neighbor disputes that you're going to have to approach in a different manner, but overall doing the best for the animals and the community at the same time. Do you see that there are more and more organizations in Kentucky willing to consider this model? Absolutely. There has been a definite shift. More and more people, I wouldn't say climbing on board, but, you know, at least having the discussion and opening that up, making sure that if they can't do it, if there's for some reason that there are just too many roadblocks or an organization for animal control that has one or two employees, that we connect them with nonprofit organizations that do have CAT programs and can kind of get in there and do that work for them. What would you say that Community Cats would look like going forward? I mean, it sounds like you've been involved with Best Friends. Best Friends has a national reputation. I'm not sure if they gave you a lot of funding, but I'm sure a lot of people would ask questions about how was this program funded? Was it municipally funded or did you have outside grant money come in to help make this happen? Sure. I think when anytime you look at new programs, you kind of got to look at all of your options. Best Friends wasn't an organization that we went to. We utilized Target Zero. There's a lot of funding out there. You just kind of got to do your research and pick up the phone and call around and see what's available. 
We've received a lot of grant money from the Petco Foundation, PetSmart Charities. I mean, we will ask anybody for money and assistance for new programs. And you just kind of got to get over, you know, being afraid to ask. One of our biggest supporters and one of the things that really helped us out as a community for Northern Kentucky was the Joni Bernard Foundation. And really, they supported us 100%, gave us some big grants right in the beginning to kind of kick it off and support the other shelters that maybe hadn't hadn't done so much work in the past on TNR specifically and getting that spay neuter and making sure that there were funds available even for own cats and really getting with those organizations and making them understand the picture of what it looks like in the shelter. And then they were more than willing to kind of step up and make sure that there was funding available for all the cats in the area. What was it like working with Dr. Pisano and Target Zero? We've had her on our show quite a few times, but I think you might be the first person I've interviewed that, you know, utilized her as a a mentor. Dr. Pisano has been a big help to us, kind of making us continue on the path. Not making us, but encouraging us to continue (laughs) on the path. She's so energetic and has a lot of great ideas. One of the biggest things for animal control agencies is you get a little bit gun shy of having somebody in and come in and look at your organization and really pick it apart and do so in a manner that is not degrading. It's important that they understand the problems and the issues that you face. And I think she does a wonderful job of that. That's excellent. If folks are interested in finding out more information from you, Colleen, how would they do that? Um, A website. It's not a great website right now. It's still under construction. We're kind of revamping it, starting to uh, launch a capital campaign. But they can reach me at cbray at boonecountyky.org. And they go to our website and find more information, boonecountyshelter.org. Awesome. Excellent. And is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today, Colleen? Um, I'd also like to share if they want to, there's a lot of information available on the Kentucky Animal Care and Control Association website. That's CACA.net. And do have some online training there available for those organizations in Kentucky. Great. Online training. I love it. I love that. The more that we can get done online, the better. And I'm sure for animal control, it's really tough to break away and take the time to go to a physical conference or finding the funding for that. So online, I'm sure is very helpful. As you can imagine, I am a big fan of that. So thank you for bringing that up. And we'll make sure we have those links in the show notes. And Colleen, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Boy, 94% live release rate. That's fantastic. Fantastic. It's just tremendously good news for Kentucky and for the nation. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stacey. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 